Hello and welcome to another Sustainable Wine podcast. This is a recording of a conference session that took place on the 22nd of June 2021 as part of our Sustainability and the Vineyard Conference. There are many more sessions like this to listen to and many more podcasts. Just search for Sustainable Wine on your podcast app. Thank you all for joining us today. This is our final session and we'll be discussing the future of vineyard sustainability and certification uh, with an excellent panel, diverse and experienced. Um, we're going to start with some brief introductions. Fred. Hello, good afternoon. Um, yeah, Fred Leumer from, from Langenlois in Austria. I'm close to the Danube, um, 70 kilometers west of Vienna. And they're doing a, a winery here, um, 70 hectares here in Kamptal and another 10 hectares south of Vienna, 100 kilometers from here. So on two very different places. And um, we work... Um, uh, biodynamics since 2006 now, so around 15 years, certified since 2009. And um, I'm a founding member of um, RESPECT, uh, which is a biodynamic association, uh, which we founded uh, with um, 12 at the beginning, and now we are 25 uh, members in Austria, Germany, uh, Südtirol, and Northern Italy and one in Hungary. Yeah. yeah, thank you. My name is Marcus Ire. I work for, um, thank you, Tom, for <clears> inviting <throat> me to this uh, important, very interesting session. I work for uh, Nordic uh, Monopoly retailer, Systembolaget in Sweden. And uh, I've been there for a little bit more than three years now, uh, focusing on the uh, environmental and climate impact in the supply chain from the grower, uh, the growers and their production and transports and things like that. So addressing all, all kinds of uh, environmental impacts. I used to work quite many years with standardization, uh, with ISO standards and European norms uh, in the area of sustainability. So I'm quite familiar with the ISO 14000 series for those of you who know about those and ISO 26000 and things like that. So this subject today is quite close to my, my what I have, uh, what I have some thoughts about, so to say. <laughs> so, yeah, Good to have you thank there. you. Uh, Stefano, let's introduce yourself. Yes, thanks, uh, thanks Tom and Chris and Tobias and Dagat and uh, to whoever is behind the scene for having me here. My name is uh, Stefano Stefanucci, that is, Pretty easy to remember also for non-English uh, uh, speakers, I guess. Uh, I am the director of Equalitas, that is to say a sustainability certification scheme owned by Federdoc in Italy. Federdoc is the uh, organization, is the confederation of the PGI's voluntary consorts in Italy. So it's basically producers, wine producers that are behind us. Thanks again. Thank you, Stefano, and handing over to Chris. Great, thanks, Tom, and great <laughs> to be on this uh, prestigious uh, panel. Uh, what an uh, impressive group. And uh, my name is Chris Willie. <clears throat> I'm a uh, wildlife biologist and journalist. I've worked for uh, environmental NGOs all my life, a lot with the Rainforest Alliance where back in the early 1990s, 
um, we brought all stakeholders together for the first time to set a uh, standard for sustainable agriculture. And that standard was deployed on uh, coffee, uh, at first coffee and bananas, and then later tea, cocoa, and, and many other crops. So it, uh, I have standard setting experience that uh, got me invited to uh, advise on this uh, group of volunteers that's standing up the uh, uh, Sustainable Wine Roundtable. And uh, now that group of volunteers has been joined by uh, uh, 25 uh, uh, companies and organizations that share the same vision. So I'm a, uh, stand, I have a lot of experience in standards and uh, I hope to be able to bring that experience to the uh, roundtable. Thank you. Due to have uh, Tatiana join us as well, I think she may have lost power. Um, we will continue and hope she joins us shortly. Um, we start with some opening comments on the subject title itself. What's the future of vineyard sustainability standards and certification? Uh, Fred, you mentioned you were a founding member of um, RESPECT. Um, what does that title sort of mean to you and your involvement with the programme? Um, so when, when, when we started uh, 15, 16 years ago, we, we didn't know anything about standards. And uh, to be honest, all, all of us, uh, so quite, quite known wineries in Austria, uh, they were not interested in uh, guidelines and standardization. But um, we learned very quick that it's important uh, when you are working as a group uh, to have um, a standard, a, a kind of guidelines. Um, and I think it's a very important um, issue for, for the consumers uh to get uh, knowledge about what we are doing and to get safety in a way uh in, in what they are buying at the end and um so we 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 learned very quick that we need some standards or guidelines um and because we 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 started biodynamic well, we we could join them at that time but um we had some different ideas, I would say. Uh, I think it, we have a little bit more pragmatic way of thinking in, in farming. And that's why we decided to do our own, uh, which is now the respect standard. But uh, to be honest, it's quite, quite similar uh, to the Demeter standard. But, and there is, I would say, a, a big but, um, we certify first of all, only wine. Uh, and respect is also a kind of um, quality standard because we are very careful in selecting new members. Um, and it's also important for, for the group um, to, to stay together and to work together and um, also to discuss very, very open, open-minded. And, um, uh, and we, we see, and, and I saw that, Today, uh, there is a, so much misunderstanding in biodynamic and organic certification. So it's, uh, I was quite unhappy on a few comments uh, this day because biodynamic has nothing to do with religion. This is really unfair when, when it always comes to that same thing. Uh, uh, biodynamic is, is a way of farming which try to 
let's say, copy some ideas of, of, um, of nature. But we're all working in, in cultured land, of course, and we are not working really in nature. We, 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 we uh, made a big um, impact to nature with our monocultures and all that, and also biodynamic farms working with monocultures. But they try to balance everything. And uh, in biodynamics, there are a few main concepts, which is the farm individuality. So working with the own resources we, we have and not buying everything uh, from, from companies and, and then uh, creating diversity in the culture and uh, also take care about the surrounding areas. So I, I think um, today, today there, there were some comments which goes in the direction that biodynamic is religion and organic is greenwashing and, uh, and whatever. So I think it's very important that the standards, and they get far too much in the meantime, they, they, they try to sit together and, and work on an, on a basic one, uh, on a basic one, which can help the consumers to find the way through that jungle of standardization. Chris, you're, you're nodding there. Maybe you want to uh, contribute <laughs> to that. Yeah, I, I really, uh, 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 understand, uh, uh, Fred's point, uh, We've seen this in, in, uh, in so many other crops where there's so much uh, uh, confusion uh, in, between the, the different systems. There are really three main schools of certification in agriculture. There's organic, uh, organic uh, slash biodynamic, fair trade, and, uh, and, and sustainable. And they... Uh, there, there's been some tensions between those those systems and uh, and a lot of uh, confusion. But over the years, we've been able by working uh, with standards, you know, which are calm and neutral. Uh, uh, the discussions, uh, or they can be, um, we've been able to uh, bring those those three different systems or schools closer together, learning from each other um, and and respecting each other. It's it's hurtful when you're uh, something you've been uh, invested so much uh, of your life into is uh, disparaged by people who don't quite understand it. Uh, so we 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 need various different kinds of uh, standards and agricultural systems and why, uh, but there's a lot that we could do to uh, unify them in, in ways that still respect the individual uh, uh, and special uh, facets of each program. Marcus, I know you've done a lot of work in standards and certifications. Um, before Sinterbergets and currently. Um, do you want to give us your sort of perspective on how you see the sort of the future of uh, the use of standards and certification? Yeah, I can, I can give you our perspective as a quite big retailer as we are a monopoly in Sweden. Uh, I, I mean, what we would like to achieve and striving to is to secure the environmental and social performance from the very, very farmer level, production level, transport. And that is quite hard to do unless you have the full traceability on our 
very complex and complicated supply chains. I mean, you know the business, so you can imagine. So in this context, uh, the certification schemes, programs, uh, they make it much, much easier for us to secure the sustainability performance in the supply chain, especially on the, on the very tough level, I would say, the formal level for us, because there are quite many steps to reach down to the formal level, to communicate with the farmers. Uh, it's, it's like a big tree. It's, it's a, when you go upstream, you, you will end up with, with an endless uh, number of actors uh, that is contributing to the simple bottle of wine. Now, I don't mean simple, but, but the, the, the single bottle of wine, you know. <laughs> so the certifications, again, they, they, they are a very, very important tool for us to, to secure in a credible way, secure the performance in the supply chain. Uh, saying that, at the same time, as you know, uh, the certifications out there are quite, even though they have some in common, quite much in common, they, they are also diverse. As we all, we, we heard about Chris uh, and Fred talking about the different, uh, I would say, philosophies, so to say. Uh, different philosophies, no one of those are wrong or right. I mean, there are different ways to, to reach we are trying to, to reach the same, uh, I mean, sustainability level, what that ever will be in the future. So, uh, but we would like, my, my biggest wish, I would say, is to get a faster harmonization between uh, the definition of sustainable wine. That is what we are trying to achieve. And uh, what, what we have done three years back is to... Uh, do some mapping related to all the uh, certification schemes, uh, sustainability schemes, addressing, uh, it will probably be 19 indicators. We have seven indicators now on environmental and social aspects, trying to map each and every scheme uh, related to the wine business uh, to, to be able to uh, I mean, to value each product in terms of risk. So if you have a specific wine that is certified for a specific scheme, we have the results in what way that certification is, or, or the product is living up to expectations uh, on child labor, on water consumption, water treatment, uh, biodiversity, soil health, and so on. So that's what we are doing today. And, and again, my biggest wish is that we that would be a redundant thing to do because all the standards would look the same. That would be very, very good. So, yeah, that's our approach in this issue. <laughs> hey, not to deny the very good work that um, Stefano and Qualitas and many other programs have done already. Um, but as you say, this uh, bringing more consensus and alignment with the standards could be very helpful for consumers uh, in their understanding. Um, Bringing the conversation, uh, Stefano, would you like to give any comments on what um, the panel has said so far? Yeah, thanks. Uh, first of all, uh, I, I saw some familiar names uh, in the chat. So hi, everybody. Uh, well, yeah, if, the, if the, the question is, what is the future uh, of uh, certification schemes? As I represent a certification scheme, uh, I would say it's a bright future. Of course, provided that we agree on what is sustainability. Uh, 
I'll try to be brief, but uh, uh, as I always say, uh, I put my personal beginning with the story of sustainability back in 2009, that, that is the year of uh, European Directive 128 on the sustainable use of pesticides. And so it's more than 10 years ago. And already in, in, in Italy, we had uh, every week uh, some producer uh, entering the room of the office asking for help because from some foreign market, uh, they had uh, a request about being sustainable. But the problem was that uh, from Japan, uh, it meant uh, to use uh, less pesticides. From Germany, maybe it was something different uh, related to carbon footprint or from North America, for example, for Canada, from Canada. And then from Scandinavia, uh, they asked, they, they, of course, they, they want to save the planet, but they started to be worried also about uh, the social pillar. So uh, we, we had a lot of initiatives in Italy, but I'm sure it was the same worldwide trying to reply, so, but trying to reply to monographic, uh, uh, to specific aspects. What we have tried to do with our certification scheme, at least uh, from an Italian perspective, was to try to put together uh, everything and to try to be comprehensive. And probably if we want a bright future, now is the time to try to, uh, to move to a global uh, uh, to a global scale, trying to agree with all the other stakeholders on a global scale on what is sustainability. Very interesting. And uh, Tatiana, we missed your introduction. Um, if you could provide that and uh, maybe give OIV's uh, perspective on certification and standards in, in the vineyard. Yeah, thank you, Tom. Sorry for this interruption. And uh, so I think we are clearly in the in the context of climate change and climate uh, events. So no electricity. So I am from a hotspot on my phone and have only one screen. But it's uh, it's the it's a, the environment, the actual environment. Yes. So maybe a few words uh, before before we start uh, the sustainability uh, topic. A few words about the OIB, just to recall who we are and what we do, just a few minutes. So um, we are an intergovernmental organization. So the wine sector has a chance to have its own intergovernmental organization, like uh, United Nations of Wine. Uh, we are one of the oldest intergovernmental organizations. Um, the OIB has been created in 1924, so we are almost ready to, uh, to celebrate our centenary. Uh, today we have 48 member, members. Uh, our members are countries, our governments. Um, so this is one of the, our, our major specificities, uh, especially uh, with the today's panel. We are not uh, working directly um, with enterprises. We are working with governments, but I think, um, I think we, uh, we are ready and uh, we can uh, deliver the response uh, to one of the most important questions that has been raised today by all of the panel, by all panelists is harmonization and uh, providing a global vision of sustainability. Um, the OIB has been working um, on sustainability since uh, almost 20 years. We adopted the definition of sustainability in 2004. Uh, 
after we produced a number of texts, uh, especially on uh, environmental aspects of sustainability, while the initial definition uh, includes uh, environmental, social, and uh, economic, and also cultural aspects. Um, in 2016, we uh, enriched uh, this definition by adoption of general principles of sustainability. So today we have five principles of sustainability. I recall that uh, United Nations has uh, 17 sustainability, uh, sustainable development goals. So it's, it's a global concept. It's not only environment. Uh, it, uh, it encompasses a number of aspects and uh, I think all the aspects of uh, human lives. And um, last year, uh, in the general, uh, the last general assembly of November two thousand twenty, uh, we were really happy uh, by adoption of a, of a very complete and comprehensive document, which provides um, explanation and a global understanding of what is sustainability and what can be done under each of the principles of sustainability. So it's, it's quite complete. So uh, for each principle of sustainability, we explain the role of uh, institutions, of sectoral bodies of the sector, because we know that uh, the sectoral bodies, the collective organizations uh, are very important in our sector. We provide also a number of practices, a number of uh, actions that could be done uh, by enterprises. Uh, we know that uh, there is not a universal list of actions. Uh, this document is meant to be a sort of a library of best practices uh, so that uh, a global understanding of sustainability uh, can, be, can be understood, uh, can, be, can be illustrated by all partners. Uh, so this is, uh, this is where we are today. And uh, I think uh, this, this collective uh, understanding of sustainability is very important. I recall that uh, we have 48 member states, members of the organization, and um, our decisions are taken by consensus. So this document, uh, as a result, I, I think we have a, a ref the reference in the link uh, to this document in the chat. This is a result of uh, three years' discussions. And... Uh, it has been adopted by consensus by 48 uh, countries. So I think it, it can be a good basis for common understanding of what is sustainable wine. And uh, maybe also for comparison of uh, various schemes of pro production, because there are a lot of schemes, a lot of ways of production. But maybe this could be a, a step forward. Well, building on that, um, what are the opportunities to learn from existing standards and standards? Uh, if I can direct that question to Fred, stop. Um, yeah, it's not. It's not. It's not easy because the standards are so 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 different, uh, so absolutely different. And when I when I, especially when I compare organic and biodynamic standards to sustainable standards, I think sometimes. Uh, we're, we're not talking from the same uh, because uh, especially in organic and biodynamic there are few few no-goes uh, when you talk about sustainability uh, you know for us and I would say for mankind uh, soil as, as the main resource is so important that uh, that to use herbicides for example can't be sustainable in our in our thinking um so I think 
and, and, and we did it already. The, the, the sustainable standards are very good in uh, the social responsibilities and economic uh, um, responsibilities, um, but they're not, for me, not that good in, um, in, in the real farming things, uh, so soil diversity, um, the use of pesticides and, and all that. Uh, sitting together and, and learn from each other would be, would be great, but uh, I, I think we, we have to define a few, let's say, no-goes in sustainability um, and uh, to, to improve the standards for the future. Would anyone on the panel want to come back to that? Uh, yes, uh, a very brief statement, but uh, uh, it's a statement that comes even before what Fred said. Uh, uh, my, my first question before was uh, uh, that we should agree on what is sustainability. And so, in a sense, I agree with Fred that uh, uh, it could be clear about what we are talking about. But uh, uh, my second question is if uh, we agree on uh, what is a standard, what is a real certification, uh, if we know that there is a, a difference between uh, uh, philosophy, statements, and objective evidence. And uh, with the Qualitas, we have chosen to have a real certification. So with objective elements, uh, with uh, an integrity program, third-party um, certification bodies, with training for auditors uh, uh, to a set standard. Um, so, uh, although I do agree with Fred, I think that uh, one first thing to understand is that uh, you can have, and I'm not referring to Fred, of course, it's a general statement, you can have the best philosophy, uh, but then if you don't have objective requirements and integrity programs, that's not a certification. So, uh, it is not said, it is not for granted that uh, you are giving an assurance to consumers. Marcus, what's your view on the uh, different certification programs that exist and their integrity? Yeah. I mean, going back to your uh, question where the opportunities are, I would say they are all located in the current standards that we have, the regional, the regional and national versions of sustainability standards. Uh, I think, yeah, it, I don't think there's an option to try to invent a new global standard without uh, building on the current knowledge and the practice that we have inbuilt for many years in the local, regional, and national uh, sustainability standards. Even though, they, even though they are a bit different, I would say it, uh, the only way to do this is to start from there. Uh, and from there, I don't have the exact answer how to, how to develop kind of I, I would put it this way. I would be very happy to just encourage and facilitate, if possible, the harmonization process between the different standards and schemes all around the uh, wine regions. If we could, uh, in our different roles, if we could facilitate that process, I think that will be great. Not try to, in one or two years, uh, develop uh, the totally new standard, but rather facilitate the process of harmonization. That is what I what I think is, yes. and let the let the science lead us 
bodies kind of the best practice. Uh, yeah. Chris, you've uh, seen the role that uh, collaborative action has played and the role that standards um, and certification um, and the positive impact that they can have in other agricultural um, sectors. What's your sort of perspective on, on the wine sector and, and what needs to happen? Yeah. So as, the, as my fellow panelists have uh, expressed, there, there's so much good work has already been done in, in wine. Um, and as Tatiana mentioned, the uh, OIB started defining sustainability in wine nearly 20 years ago. So and there's no need to reinvent. It, it is more of a process of, of uh, alignment and harmonization, as, as Marcus has been, been saying. But even getting uh, the alignment within various sustainability schemes in, in wine, um, there's quite a bit of difference. There are many really good systems in, in wine uh, and a number that uh, are uh, that could use uh, uh, help. They could be more robust and they could have clearer measures and uh, uh, objectives. So it's possible uh, to bring everyone together and not just the standard setters, although they are key, but standard setters with producers and scientists and NGOs, government agencies, labor unions, and all the various uh, uh, stakeholders, bring them together around the table to go through the, and they'll start with the existing standards, of course, and the principles from OIV and FIBS and so on. But then go through each and every issue and just uh, uh, discuss and debate it. It's a messy process. It takes some time. It takes a really good organization, but it can be done. We've done it in many other crops. Wine is one of the few crops, major crops, are products that does not have a, a global roundtable bringing all these systems together. So the systems can learn from each other and we can learn from other crops such as coffee, cocoa, and tea. Even the standards from the big ugly commodities like palm oil, sugar, and soy have much to contribute. These principles are these crops are organized around the same principles as the sustainable wine. Um, uh, standards are. And we can learn from, wine can learn from those other crops and things like climate smart farming, workers' rights and benefits, especially really prickly subjects like what is a living wage? Well, we've worked that out in great detail over the years in coffee, tea, and cocoa and other crops. Uh, we can learn from other crops on how to make sure you're getting a return on your investment in sustainability and how sustainable practices can improve productivity and crop quality and especially in, uh, also in habitat and biodiversity conservation. Other sectors might learn from wine and things like community relations. Of course, wine has been in the center of communities for years, sometimes centuries. and and uh, tourism, the, the connection between agriculture and, and tourism. Other crops could learn from wine there. And maybe even in soil management, there's some really far uh, uh, 
far-reaching uh, efforts in, in wine to improve soil uh, quality. So a lot to learn from each other and uh, that process of learning from each other, bringing everybody together to, to do that, uh, you know, get everybody to uh, in, engage. That's just so valuable. That will, uh, that will accelerate learning uh, throughout mm -hmm. the cycle. Stefano, and what's your perspective on collaboration? I, I know you've started to do some work in Spain and uh, how are you finding that sort of experience sort of going beyond your borders and working with um, yeah, a different culture and a different industry? Yeah, uh, we, we need a, a Congress uh, only on this statement probably, but I, I'll try to be brief. Yes, of course, I, it's not only me, but we are deeply in favor. Uh, collaboration is crucial for several reasons, and it's not just words. Uh, we are working as said, with the Spanish Wine Federation. We are working with Anfori, BSCI, with BRCGS as well, to, to search for mutual recognition. And that is exactly what I was saying uh, uh, in relation to the opening uh, question. Um, uh, we need a global uh, interpretation. Uh, all our companies, wineries in Italy, but in any other country, they're working with uh, several markets, with several retailers, with several buyers, and they can't uh, bear uh, an effort that is duplicated, continually duplicated, because every player asks for something different. And so we are yeah, deeply in favor of initiatives like uh, the one that uh, Chris is suggesting. Uh, I think we are demonstrating this by with, with facts. Then the, the, the more global we, we, we become with such initiatives, the better it is. Marcus, do you have any comments on that in terms of collaboration? No, I think it's uh, I, I think it's the only way uh, forward to to uh, to enforce this harmonization. And <clears throat> I would say that it's 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 not a question of reaching consensus among all the different uh, schemes and programs around the wine world. It could be if the I mean, three or four biggest wine countries could collaborate and define collaboration uh, and uh, kind of adapt their standards to one common. I think that would be a strong, strong force. So in the end, I think it will be a, it will be more or less a snow, snowball effect. So in in uh, sooner or later, I think the 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 other ones will uh, will join sooner or later. <laughs> It might sound a bit cynical, but I think that could be one way forward. Because sometimes I, you know, I've been working twelve years with ISO, re trying to reach consensus in ISO uh, processes, and that could take quite a long time. Uh, so it, it could one way to do this is to just find uh, three or four of the biggest players to collaborate and, and harmonize their standards. I, and I think it's it will be just a question of time when you have a global standard. <laughs> with improved alignment, do you think that that's a, a better position for us to start communicating with the consumer? 
Are there a question for me? Uh, yes, it can be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, uh, it's crucial for the consumers to have, uh, I mean, aligned messages. They, they, they don't want to get into the shop and spend lots of time uh, having the people in the shop explaining for them all the differences between the, all the logos in the shop. That's not a good uh, situation. So, of course, it's, it's, it's good not only for the consumers, but all the actors in the supply chain if we could uh, have a more harmonized picture of what is sustainability related to the products and services in the society in general, I think. <laughs> Fred, what's your take on that? Coming from the position of biodynamics, do you see it as more of a, an opportunity in, uh, to sell more wine being biodynamic? Or um, yeah, is it challenging to be in that position where biodynamics isn't always well understood and then the sustainability argues it's more comprehensive. What's your sort of position in terms of communicating with the consumer? Yeah, and I, would, I would say on one hand, it, it, it would be great to get harmonization on the standards. Uh, it, it's a, a kind of right for the consumers, but also, uh, sorry, I think it's a little later. You did. Sorry, <laughs> I have some customers <laughs> in the tasting room. Um, so, on one hand, it's, 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 it would be great to get harmonization because at the moment it's not so easy for the consumers to find through. Uh, and, uh, and all of the standards try to get the green color on it. And um, that doesn't make it very easy. And sometimes it makes it also kind of unfair on the market. Um, but sorry. Uh, Mickey, that's okay. Now they are gone. <laughs> Sorry, um, and um, and it's a little bit unfair sometimes when I look to that discussions and and it would be great, Marcus, to find harmonization around the world and maybe the four biggest uh, countries uh, start with that. But uh, when I look to the discussions in Austria. It's quite hard to find, even in a small country like Austria with 40,000 hectares, a kind of harmonization of, even in organic and biodynamic, it's not so easy. And, uh, and even more, of course, when you uh, bring in conventional farming with sustainable standards, um, then it gets quite hard to find a basic line on principles for, for all that. On the other hand, I would say also competition of standards could be an interesting fact because, uh, you know, maybe the best win. And, uh, and even to get on higher qualities on the standards, I think competition could be a helping tool because uh, it's also not, uh, not uh, very an optimistic vision when, when, when the harmonization brings everything down to a very, very basic line. And then we are very far away from really sustainability. Um, so I think maybe, maybe it's both to find a kind of a basic line for the standards so that we can take out the unfairness on the market, but then also find the, the competition to even improve the standards on to higher levels, which in a way is already working in that way. You have the European Union uh, Codex for, for organic farming, 
Um, I heard we have uh, these five principles of the OEP uh, uh, in sustainability in wine. So there looks like that there are a few basic lines and on top there are some other standards which are in competition and this could be also quite a good way for, for the future to bring everything on higher levels. Building on that high level, Tatiana, sort of your perspective from the IOV level, um, perspective, um, working in a sort of governmental uh, environment, um, getting consensus must be a challenge. Yes, indeed. Uh, getting to consensus it's a, is a real, real challenge. Uh, so we've been speaking about uh, sustainability for 20 years. Um, we have arrived to quite a, quite a comprehensive document uh, which explains how to adapt, uh, how to apply these principles to a real organization or, or an enterprise of the sector. Uh, of course, in, in, a, in an ideal world, uh, it would have been nice to have uh, one unique standard and one uh, understanding of sustainability, but I'm not sure it, uh, it, is, it is possible. And I think one of the beauties of the, uh, one of the um, best factors of the, um, of the wine sector is the diversity, diversity of production types, diversity of actors, uh, diversity of countries producing uh, the product. So maybe uh, applying one and same rule uh, to everybody is, uh, is quite complicated. So maybe at the first the first step would be uh, maybe the comparability of these uh, various standards. So maybe uh, in some countries, uh, some countries are more concerned about social aspects. Uh, it would be difficult to, to have uh, one single criteria, one single indicator for uh, social sustainability. Uh, so it could be uh, a minimum wage, but uh, the situations are really different uh, from country to country. Uh, so. Yeah, I think I think um, certificators um, should consider uh, to uh, to uh, they, to work and uh, to to base their comparability uh, with the OIV principles. I mean, the advantage of this this document is the adoption by by forty eight countries uh, in consensual discussion and. Uh, by consensual, uh, we mean uh, nobody is against this uh, this text. So it's even worse than in ISO. We don't even have the possibility of 30% voting against. So everybody needs to agree. Uh, so it's quite quite a tough uh, quite a tough discussion. Quite uh, difficult uh, to arrive to this result. So maybe it could be used as a basis for comparison, uh, taking into account the. Sensibility of uh, of every philosophy of production, every every region, and uh, also facilitating the, the life of uh, importers and buyers. If it could be, Chris, the uh, based on the uh, uh, comments from the panel and the uh, notes in the in the chat. <clears throat> there's, uh, I think there's some confusion about what the uh, the goal is here. Uh, the goal is not to re replace all the existing standards in, in wine with one uh, unified uh, global standard. The, uh, the the goal of the <clears throat> roundtable and uh, and 
and as and as some of you have already on the panel have already expressed, the goal is to have a kind of reference standard so that we can compare the sustainability standards to each other. We can compare sustainability, organic, biodynamic, and fair trade, and and be, be clear about what the differences are. And as Stefano mentioned, there has there have to be uh, uh, clear and and uh, objective uh, measures. Uh, so I mean, how can we? How can the wine community know if it's making progress in sustainability or not if we all are using different measures? So a, a global reference standard would help agree the, the, uh, the indicators, the metrics that we use to describe, uh, pro uh, uh, describe and prove progress. Uh, I don't think there's much, uh, intentional greenwashing in, uh, in the wine sector, as there is in some others, uh, but there's a lot of unintentional greenwashing where uh, wineries and and others are making claims. They're made in good faith, maybe, but they don't have the evidence to back it up. No one's checked it, and they're using their own definition of of, uh, of success. You know, so and and it is possible to bring such a diverse community. Uh, together around one reference standard. We've done it in coffee. Coffee is grown in as many countries as wine. The wine, I think, is grown in 51 countries. Coffee is also about 50 countries of great diversity of production systems, millions of farmers, 30 million farmers. And, uh, and there's scores of standards and certification systems. There's biodynamic coffee, there's organic, there's fair trade, and a bunch of different sustainability systems. But all of those uh, systems look to, can look if they choose, to one reference standard, the common code for the coffee community. So it's possible to do it, and it's very helpful. It just gets everybody uh, organized and energized and kind of pointed toward the same uh, uh, goals. But not one standard. We're not going to uh, replace uh, the, the different standards. Nobody wants to do that. We want competition between the philosophies and between the execution of the different uh, uh, systems. Just uh, referring to the uh, chat function, um, Ambusquet's uh, asked, uh, what are the views on the of the panel on B Corp certification? Does anyone have any? Uh, may, may I add something to uh, this, uh, the, the last statement? Yes, by or, or having a look at, uh, at what is happening in the chat, because, uh, yeah, so I do agree, it's not a, a global standard, it's a global umbrella, a global reference. Uh, it's not only, I, I'm reading the chat that covers all the environmental standards, because something that where we really need to be clear is that we should be comprehensive. And uh, environment is very important, but it's a part of it. It's not, uh, it's not the, the, the whole story. Um, now we can't use presentations, but uh, maybe I'm sure you have uh, all, uh, all of you have seen 
sooner or later one slide uh, with the three pillars and uh, the intersections between the uh, two and three pillars. And uh, I always define that slide a modern art masterpiece because uh, uh, it, it looks obvious, it looks uh, easy, but someone uh, has thought about it uh, first. And where is the genius? In the fact that uh, in that slide, also intersections between the two, two of the pillars are defined. So you discover that you, if you are uh, uh, social sensitive and environmental sensitive, you have done a livable uh, uh, ambient environment. If you are considering the environment and the economic, that's achievable, but that's not fair or not necessarily fair. So it's not yet it is not sustainable. So we really need to be clear that the global umbrella should cover the three pillars. I'm sorry, because it, uh, sometimes it looks obvious, but then it's not. Thanks for posting the, the, the slide. <laughs> yes. Obviously, I have a visual aid. Yeah. I, I would just like to uh, first respond on one of the comments in the chat about uh, big players. I used the word big players and just to clarify that when I said big players, I meant uh, the programs, the certification programs, those big players, not the producers. Uh, so uh, my, what I think is if three or four of the biggest wine countries with their biggest schemes, so to say, uh, would collaborate, that would be one way to break the ice, I think, to start the harmonization. For example, Stefano with the Qualitas and Terravitis in France or California Certified, if you meet each other and, uh, and yeah, starting this process, I, I think that would break the ice, definitely. So just for clarification. And another thing about global relevance that is kind of a uh, very important principle when you go to ISO standardization is to make sure that when you, when you develop a global standard in ISO, you make sure that it's relevant in all its parts in the different parts of the world, which means that you, in some cases, you have to build in some some flexibility uh, to adapt to the local circumstances. But having said that, again, uh, I mean the national sustainability standards for the wine business today uh, are relevant for for a country from the north to the south and from the east to the west where you have quite different uh, conditions uh, in terms of, of the weather patterns and the terroir and, and the altitudes and things like that. And still they are working. So, uh, yeah, I, I think, but I think quite much of, of, uh, of uh, so-called requirements in, in a certification standards could be used uh, quite globally. Uh, with some exceptions that could be flexible uh, and adapted to the local circumstances. So I, I think it's achievable. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> and, and do we believe that the global standard will um, ultimately incentivize best man management practice uh, and improve um, practice in the vineyards? Do you think that's the most effective way to do so? Mm. Chris, you're can, can you say it again? Sure. Mm. Uh, 
do we think a global standard would be the most effective method to improve and incentivize um, uh, improvements in vineyards? Um, or do you think there are other incentives outside of standards alone? Uh, you mean to improve the quality in the work of the, in, in the vineyards and uh, on, on the sustainable side? Um, to be honest, I don't think that these are the standards. These are more the neighbors. Uh, when I when I look to to, to my place, um, um, and when you when you compare the work in the vineyards thirty years ago to today, uh, I think it's not it was not the organic standards and the biodynamic standards and and the sustainable standards and all that. It was more the success of a few wineries uh, in their daily work, uh, which improved the rest uh, uh, to higher their own standards. And uh, and th this is this is the best way of doing it. And and when you know when I look to to here, uh, I start I start doing sheep grassing, for example, 15 years ago, and now there are few wineries doing that. Uh, and uh, we have everything green covered uh, with uh, quite a big diversity of of uh, crop. And and now most of the vineyards are in the same way farmed and uh, herbicides for example it's um, it's of course it's a little bit linked to um to to the, to the farmers get money for that or not so this, this is this is really helping too uh, to pay for it and i think when society wants to have uh, sustainability in farming they have to pay for it at the end uh, um, with the product or uh, with with help um, but um, the, the most helping thing is for sure uh, the success of uh, the leaders in the region. And uh, it looks like at the moment that um, the, the successful leaders are very much uh, in the direction of organic at least or biodynamic and of course sustainable certified. Because the thing is, for me, the, the 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 basic principles of organic farming always had uh, the whole sustainable standards inside, but they focused too much on on the farming side. But there was always the social responsibility, in, and there was always uh, the economic uh, responsibility, and um, which now covers more the sustainable standards. Um, but um, we, we have it at, at respect in the same way. Everything is covered. Uh, so a respect standard is more or less a sustainable standard. But of course, it's focused on biodynamic. And, and that's why that's why we as a winery are also sustainable certified, but just to show uh, that we have that quite easy. And, and also to, uh, that's, that's the reason why I am in the Austrian sustainability standard for wine, I want to bring this standard to a higher level. And I think uh, when uh, some more biodynamic um, uh, certified wineries and organic certified wineries are joining the sustainable standards, we will bring everything to higher standards. Yep. I would say, I mean, regarding referring to your your question, Tom, I I think 
I would put it the other way around. I think the standards are the results of collaboration between the early adopters, between the, I mean, between the front actors. Uh, and I mean, the, the value of the standard when it's on the table is to raise the whole business. So I think that's, that's a process and you can find it if you, if you try to dig in the history of almost every, every certification scheme, every standard in sustainability, it quite often starts with kind of a collaboration between very technical issues locally. And it, it, it grows and it, it ends up with a guiding book, uh, a guidance book that is uh, not normative, it's optional. Everything in the guidebook is optional, but sooner or later you will end up with some of the producers on the market uh, using this guidebook uh, is performing very, very well. And they are asking for some kind of certification so that they can show uh, uh, the rest of the society and especially the consumers that they are best in class. So that's, that's a stage where you have this third part certification process adding to this guidebook. And, and you will have this certification scheme. I mean, that's a, that's a very brief description of the evolution process of, of uh, national certification schemes and standards, I would say. So it's a driving force. Um, I think uh, one more comment regarding, I, I think uh, this, these standards is quite often developed by, by the local business, by the regional national business that are I mean, quite, they usually work with communicating what is unique uh, related to the local wines, the regional wines. But in this case, when you have, the product is not a specific wine, the product is a, a sustainability standard. Uh, I don't think it's a success, successful way to treat that product, the standard itself, as a unique product. It should be harmonized, it should be global. It should not be unique for the region. So that's the difference. And I, I think it's a mental journey to, to, I mean, yeah, to accept that. Well, a few minutes are remaining. Are there any sort of final comments to sort of just take what Fred and Marcus have just said uh, as you conclude this session? Yes. Uh, I, I think uh, we, we have also... Um, we have to, to think about uh, what is the final objective of sustainability. I think it may, may not be the, the, the certification. As you've been saying, uh, sustainability is, something, some, is, is, is a, something that changes, that uh, the understanding of this concept is evolutive. And I think uh, so the, you, we were talking about specific guidelines, uh, best practices, application of, this, of these topics collaboration about uh, among local stakeholders and I think this is the maybe the, the the main objective of sustainability and of course we have to value it uh, we have we have to promote it among consumers but um, it is also important that uh, it, it allows the sector to to be resilient I think resilience is one of the flagship concepts of of sustainability adaptation to new conditions and allowing businesses to, to remain, to be sustainable and to progress and uh, to make, uh, to, 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 uh, to have new consumers also uh, within this philosophy and uh, lifestyle. Resilience is very important here. 
Chris, any comments on need for resilience and our final sort of conclusion? Well, I'm, I've been really enthused by the uh, and impressed by this uh, d discussion, and uh, I can I can see the the growing uh, uh, growing enthusiasm, and you know, let's work together and gather agreement on what a clear and compelling cons uh, definition of what sustainability means and why, and a, 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 a global reference standard is a good way to do that, the best way. It'll help you know everybody in the wine sector lift their their game, set and meet uh, ambitious goals. You know, it, it, I love working in wine. Wine has such deep roots in history and culture and, and tradition. And let's make sure that those roots extend into the uh, into the future. Wine can be a leader in sustainability. It can more do more than just meet its responsibility. It can actually be a leader. There's so much passion, so much enthusiasm in in making and enjoying wine. People care about where wine was grown and how it was grown. And think what a powerful message the wine community could send out to the world about thriving together in a healthy, biodiverse, and socially just uh, world with fine things like wine. You know, let let's uh, you know come together and lift our voice. Well, that's a very positive and good note to finish the uh, finish the session and finish the day. I'll now hand over to Toby. He's going to give us some uh, final comments. Thanks very much, Tom. Thanks very much, panel. Um, we've had a number of these panels over the last six months, and Marcus and I and Tom were discussing the other day. You know, how many more of them can we have? Um, and actually, this is the, the best discussion out of the three or four that we've had in the last hour or so. So. I think the answer, Marcus, was one more. <laughs> um, and, and now we can get on with the real work. Um, obviously, as Chris said, complementary to all the great work being done by others, the Sustainable Wine Roundtable, which we've set up, we believe will complement and enhance th those efforts. Um, I know there's some skepticism out there from some quarters, but uh, give us a chance, I say, um, because we, we feel like we have the wind in our sails and the opportunities for collaboration are myriad and ever-growing. Plus, we have the experience of Chris and many others I know from other commodities and areas of agriculture who can help us learn from the previous mistakes and, and be under no illusion. All the mistakes that could have been made have been made multiple times by other industries. So let's learn from that and onwards and upwards, as Chris often signs off his emails uh, to me and others. Um, on that note, I think we'll sign off here. We are going to um, have these recordings available, but um, they will take a couple of weeks. Our uh, our AV technician is still doing the ones from two weeks ago. So please be patient. Please go to your podcast app, sign up for Sustainable Wine. Just search for Sustainable Wine in your podcast app, and then you'll get the recordings as they come through in a few weeks' time. My uh, thanks go to all the speakers at the conference, particularly those in this last panel, but also to my colleagues, Agatha and Tom, who've done an amazing job in putting this together. We're also back here tomorrow, same virtual place, similar virtual times, to discuss packaging. And we're really looking forward to that, um, particularly the glass session that we have uh, with Nick Kirk from British Glass. He's a fascinating man with a lot to, a lot to tell us about clarifying things on glass, no pun intended. So we'll look forward to that tomorrow. And in the meantime, thanks so much to all of the other speakers and all of you who have attended. Uh, we will uh, be trying to archive the chat as well uh, and, and be able to hopefully be able to, to publish that in some way 
uh, next to the recording so you don't miss an important link. And once again, thank you all so much. It's been emotional. And we'll see you tomorrow for packaging if that's um, your area of interest. If not, do make sure you're on the Sustainable Wine mailing list or the Sustainable Wine Roundtable mailing list, uh, and we'll keep you updated on future progress. And once again, thank you all so much for your time and engagement. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. And goodbye. <laughs>